Hey friends, just so you know, we enjoy the swear word and we rely on good old fashioned humor to get through some seriously dark subject matter. At no time do we intend any disrespect toward the victims or families of the victims in the cases we cover. Also, be sure to listen to the end for a few palate cleansing bloopers to reset your mindset. And with that, we thank you for listening and we hope you enjoy. Welcome to Crime Will Tell. I'm Carrie. And I'm Jamie. So, James, today's case happened real recently. Oh. We're talking months ago. Oh, shit. Okay. So, because of that, it's still very much ongoing and developing. Details are still being learned. And what I'm finding is that as I go back and do a little bit more research, like, another tidbit is out and another tidbit is out. Well, I've been waiting and waiting, and but I kind of want to do this one for two reasons. One is because it's so recent and okay. I, I like to be not so recent. And so I'm like kicking it up a notch. But then the other is it's just fucking weird. It's a weird case. It's weird. So there's it. a lot of details still being learned. And this case is also situated in South Korea. So the details that are known are scarce. It's because it's hard to get stuff like translated in English. Okay. Yeah. Um, and also while I'll do my best not to butcher names, I will absolutely butcher names. Okay. So all right. All y'all out there, just bear with me. She's doing her best. If I pronounce something wrong, which I probably will, I I might do so. So do you have your beverage? I do. Are you ready for this? I am. Really fucking weird ride. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. Cheers. Cheers. Clink. Okay. So on Friday, May 26th. Of this year. Oh, shit. Okay. So new, new, new. Okay. In the city of Busan, South Korea, Zhang Yu Zhang arrived at the home of a freelance tutor. After the tutor let her in for a pre scheduled tutoring session, Yu Zhang attacked her, stabbing the tutor more than 110 times. Oh, okay. Fuck. That is a lot of stabbing. Then, after dismembering the body, she dumped some some of the body parts in a remote woodland area along the Nakdong River in Yangsan, a city that sits just north of Busan. Okay. To date, the name of the victim has not been released. Oh, shit. Okay. Which I've come to understand is not unusual in South Korea. I thought it was unusual. It was unusual to me because here in the United States, we plaster the victims' names all over media right right away. So I was like, why haven't they released the victim's identity yet? Well, apparently under South Korean law, there is the Crime Victim Protection Act. And under this act, the reputation and privacy of a victim of a crime must be protected. Hmm. Okay. I like that. I mean, for the families and friends of the victim, I can appreciate that very yeah. much. Huh. I also appreciate the intention of this law. But part of me has a bit of an adverse reaction to this because then the suspect is the one getting all the media attention and publicity. And it just feels a little like the victim gets swept under the rug because there's there's nothing about the victim at all out there. There's a few tidbits and I'll share those, but that's it. 
Really? Yeah. Also, you would think from like a like an investigation standpoint, you would want the victim to be seen as well so that people might come forward if they saw something. Yeah. You'll see with this case that there was so much evidence and video surveillance. Think like CCTV that's all over Europe. Mm -hmm. We, We haven't gotten there yet. Yeah. Here in the United States, but they've got that there. And so there's security footage all over the place. So you'll see that between how this unfolded and the security footage, the fact that the victim's name wasn't released didn't hinder the investigation. But I imagine there would be other cases where absolutely that would happen. Yeah. Okay. So in this case, there's no doubt who did There's it. no doubt. This is not a whodunit. Okay. This is not a whodunit. This is a what in the fuck happened here. And, okay. and wow. It's, very, it's a weird case. So who is this Zhang Yu Zhang? Finding information on her childhood was fucking impossible. So, okay, there isn't really much out there, at least not yet in English material. Okay. But this is what we do know. She was born in 2000 in South Korea. Baby. Yeah, so she's 23. It appears she had a pretty crappy childhood. When she was one, her mother apparently skipped town, just straight up left and left her with her father. Oh, wow. And from what I was able to find, her father raised her until she was about six, at which point he apparently skipped town too. What the hell? So by six, she was allegedly, because again, this was this was corroborated by multiple sources, but it's all like Korean newspapers translated into English. And so I'm sure there's some translate, but but apparently by the age of six, she was abandoned by both of her parents. Shit, that's rough. Okay. And her grandmother, and I couldn't, I wasn't able to determine if it was her mother's mother or her father's mother, but her grandmother ended up raising her for the rest of her childhood. Okay. So she ended up in a good home with someone, well, hopefully a good home. Yeah. I couldn't find anything about the type of home her grandmother provided her, where she went to school, if she had friends, if she seemed normally and well normal and well adjusted. There really just wasn't anything to, to that degree. In an article in the Korea Times, it is said that she, quote, seems to have had feelings of resentment towards her father because of her unfortunate childhood. And I say that now because this tidbit Keep this in the back po- in your back pocket because it'll come back later. Okay. Gotcha. So after graduating high school in probably like around, I think it's 2018, it appears that Yu Zhang never attended university, never got a job, never learned how to drive. Instead, she just lived in isolation. Okay. From the time she graduated high school to this year, 2023. So alone or with her grandmother? I was just going to say, I assume she lived with her grandmother, but there was, I was not able to verify that. But, but what was reported, what has been reported in multiple sources is that she lived, she lived in isolation for about five years before murdering this tutor. Wow. Okay. In May of this year, according to another article in the New York post, police describe Yu Zheng as quote, a loner and a recluse who has been unemployed since graduating from high school five years ago. So it's very interesting. Like 
English, like United States sources, like the New York Post, the Washington Post, whatever, there's like one, two articles out there maybe. And it's most, all of it is still, it's not very widely reported here, comparatively speaking. By 2023, Yu Zhang was apparently obsessed with watching true crime TV shows and reading books about crime. Okay. And if she was living in isolation, she probably had a lot of time to devote to this obsession and it probably became all-consuming. It had to have become all-consuming because she ultimately killed someone. Right. Man. And in some time in February 2023, Yu Zhang became so curious about what it would be like to murder someone that she actually started planning a murder. No and we, shit. Yep. And, and we know this because of evidence. Like, we know that this is the case because of evidence and because of some of the things that she has shared since her arrest. So, yikes. Can we take a beat here? <laughs> yeah. I have some thoughts. <laughs> yeah. How does this happen? I mean, like, phys- like psychologically, biologically, physiologically, like, what? Ha- I want to know what happens in the brain with, like, the synopses and the nodes and transmissions and signals that that all this shit comes together. And like this thought is born that murdering someone for whatever reason is something that should be planned, acted on, thought about, considered, legitimately putting a plan together and then like carrying out the steps of that plan to murder someone. How does that even happen? I don't know. I don't know. And what are your thoughts? Well, so this bothers me. Just because as like true crime fans and anyone listening to this is obviously a true crime fan, I think at some point someone has criticized like that we like that genre, that there's some something wrong. I've had people like, are you a murderer? Are you going to kill me? It's like, well, maybe for asking that, you dickhead. No, I just, it's fascinating. You know what I mean? Like I, I like the psychology behind it, whatever, but there's nothing about me watching a Dateline or 2020 or listening to a true crime podcast that makes me like, yes, this is awesome. I want to try it. I'm like, oh my God, this is fucked up and horrifying. What can I learn from it? Whatever. And I don't ever believe that like watching that turns you into a murderer. And it's just kind of weird that she must have just been like getting jollies watching these crimes. That's just bizarre to me. Yeah. It clearly intrigued her enough that she felt like, I want to know what that feels like. Mm -hmm. I want to know what it feels like to murder someone, which, and that even saying something like that makes me like a little nauseous because the idea, do is it because people don't understand the finality of death? I I don't, I don't know. Anyway, so- yeah, it's interesting that you haven't had anybody say something to me like, oh, are you going to murder me? You know, like, it's interesting that you've had interactions like that, because anybody that knows me is like, I'm a true crime fucking fanatic, and I love it. Yeah. But I have had people ask me, like, why are you so high on true crime? And I was like, why are you not? Like, what what is wrong with you? You can learn so much about humanity. And you can learn so much about what not to do and how to keep yourself safe and and Mm -hmm. just 
all these things, plus the whole like, like survivor tales, you can learn so much about the resilience of the human spirit and the human psyche. It's so it's not just about the, it's not it's actually very little to do for me with the act of a murder, right? Right, and yeah. it's more about the psychology behind it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. And I think I've said this in uh, like previous episodes that like, I just feel like every case you watch, there's a little nugget that you can learn to protect yourself or watch for things in other people or situations, how to protect others. And yeah, don't sleep with your fucking windows open unless you're on a third floor walk up that doesn't have a fire escape. Yeah. Don't let someone take out a life insurance policy on you all willy nilly. Just don't do it. Keep your head on a swivel. Absolutely. Don't sit with your back to the exit. Exactly. Well, Yu Zhang had a connection with true crime, television shows, and books on crime in different ways than you and I. Mm -hmm. And according to several sources, she began checking out books of, on crime from the library and doing internet searches for things like how to hide a body and how to fatally stab someone. Jesus. Kind of, uh, yeah, kind of obvious when you like look at her search history. Oh, yeah. Although yeah. if somebody looked at our search history, we'd be fucked. So yeah, that's true. <laughs> then she began search. Then she got serious. Then she was like, okay, well, it's one thing to check out books on crime. Then it's another to do internet searches for like, how long does it take a body to decompose or something like that? But then she was like, well, I got to find a victim. Oh, Jesus Christ. So she began searching for her victim using an app called EveryTime. This app seems to be pretty well known in South Korea. And what it does, it does a lot of things, but a big piece of it is it connects parents with private tutors on various topics. Math, oh, okay. English, you know, whatever, science. Apparently, EveryTime, the um, people behind the app, they do a great job checking the credentials, and I assume the background, as part of those credentials of the tutors that engage okay. with the app, but they do not do the same with those seeking the tutors on that uh, app. Okay. Wow. That, I mean, so that I just, makes sense, but I suppose, because how do you, how can you monitor that? How can you, how can you do that? I mean, right. I suppose there's ways, but it's, there's going to be a cost behind it. There's going to be delays. It's not going to be as user-friendly. I mean, there's all, all kinds of things, but apparently they did a great job checking the validity of the tutors, but not so much about the people that were seeking the tutors. Right. So they set it up to protect the user, not the people providing the tutoring services. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So I did I did a little looking into the EveryTime app, and I started going down a rabbit hole that I will not take us down here because I was like, okay. It, what I'm learning was interesting, but it wasn't pertinent to this case, much like my obsession with the wax worms in last episode. <laughs> gotcha. Okay. Wasn't pertinent to the case, and you very politely got me off the wax worms, and then I did a bunch of searching on my own. But anyways, so the EveryTime app apparently has over almost 6 million users Shit. So it's 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 kind of known, and it's marketed to college students in Korea. And according to the Korea Jungang Daily, which is um, like a newspaper site, the app is quote operated as a closed community for students enrolled at the same university, and all students who have officially entered the university can sign up for the app, but exchange students are not eligible; they cannot use the app. 
The app also supports both English and Korean languages. I'm guessing the tuner connection is just one of the many things the app helps university students with. So for example, I saw references to like matching up your schedule with your friend's schedule to understand when you have free time at the same time. So you can like hook up and go get a coffee or, you know, go to the library and do study groups together, finding research tools, um, et cetera. So they say that they're a closed community. You have to be enrolled at the university or have officially entered the university. But we know that Yu Zhang didn't attend university. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how she was able to use this app if it was a closed community. So I thought maybe it's possible that after this whole fucking situation occurred, the app changed its model to operate as a closed community to prevent this from happening Uh, or at least mitigate it as a way to keep the riffraff out so that not just anyone can use it. Because you'll see she utilized this app to find her victim. Oh, shit. And it was through this app that she was able to get connected with the young lady that she murdered. Mm. Regardless, this is how Yu Zhang found her victim. She po- what she did was she used the app and she posed as the parent of a ninth grade student looking oh. for a tutor to teach her child English, okay. which I think is a big thing in Korea. So that's probably, it probably felt quite legit, yeah, right? I'm sure. According to the Korea Jung-ang Daily, so it, this is just one source that I found this in. So I don't know how valid it is, but it does line up with a lot of the other types of details. And so I, I thought it would be okay to share it. A forensic analysis of Yu Zheng's mobile phone showed evidence that she had contacted 54 tutors online before selecting her victim. Oh, shit. So she started getting serious in February and by May she had con- con- like she had contacted 54 victims. I'm not sure if all of them were through the Everytime app. I got the impression that they were, but that wasn't explicitly stated. But a- after like so many, she finally found her victim. Like the perfect one. The oh, perfect. that's so fucking creepy. Yeah. So it seems based on the profile of the victims that she was looking at, all these 54 tutors, she was looking for a single young female tutor that lived alone. I mean, makes sense, but that is just feels so icky. And if this is true, that's quite the fucking process to go through to find your victim. Yeah. Super premeditated. Wow. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure she had like questions in mind that like there's this like opening banter to try to figure out, you know, if one of them's like, oh, my husband or my roommate exactly. or whatever. And she's like, nope, off to number 14 or whatever. And like, let's, that's just, um, just gives me the heebies. Sorry. It makes like my scalp tingle. Like it, it really like, you know, like the hairs on the back of your neck go up and then it just like makes your scalp tingle. Oh. Yeah. Well, there's all these apps that like are designed to make life convenient and connect you with people. Like if you need a plumber or whatever, and it's just like, they're so convenient and they connect you to so many people, but it's just like, it's also like very dangerous Mm -hmm. and scary that it Mm -hmm. could be a way for somebody to find victims. And I don't like it. Agreed. Well, once she identified who she wanted to murder, which ended up being a university student in her early 20s. And she freelanced as a tutor to make money to help pay her way through school. Hmm. She contacted this tutor on May 24th of this year 
And she set up a consultation session for her daughter because, again, she was posing as the parent of a ninth grade student. Two days later, on May 26th, Yu Zhang allegedly dressed in a school uniform that she had purchased from an online flea market with the intentions of impersonating as a student. So she was really like planning this out. So she called and she was like, I'm the mother of a ninth grade student. And then what she was doing was she was posing as the ninth grade student. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. That's. Police say that Yu Zhang was short and could likely pass as a teenager. And quite frankly, if you look at a photo of her, which obviously we'll post on social, she does look like she could pass as a teenager. I I was surprised to learn that she was 23. Mm. When she arrived at the home and the tutor let her in, Yu Zhang stabbed the tutor more than 110 times with a knife that she brought with her. Wow. 110 times. How long does that take? Like, wouldn't you get exhausted doing that? Wouldn't she have to take breaks? Like, that is so many times. And she's so small. Like, that has to, like, just wipe you out. Like, I wonder if if she paused and then would have to go back. Like, that is horrifying to think about. That is the perfect word. That scene had to have been horrifying and also stab wounds and like that many stab wounds there's so much blood and like that's beyond overkill beyond overkill Mm. so after she murdered the tutor she went through the following series of events she left the tutor's home and she walked to a nearby store and she purchased trash bags and bleach she went to her own home and retrieved a suitcase She returned to the tutor's home. She dismembered the tutor's body. Mm. She placed some of the body parts in the suitcase because they all wouldn't fit. If you see the size of the suitcase, they all wouldn't fit. She changed into the tutor's clothes because blood everywhere. So she couldn't rightly like keep her own school uniform on. Then she called a taxi. What is up with suitcases and taxis with you? And this is fuck? why and this is why I wanted to do this case for this episode because I thought it was so interesting that this is completely different from case uh episode 7 for the suitcase killer. Yeah. Yet a taxi and a suitcase play a pivotal role. Yeah. It's I I thought that was like really weird and so I was like okay I got I got to do this. Also, it's just a weird fucking case and it happened so recently. It's different and so I wanted to share it. Yeah. Yeah, so she called for a taxi and then she left the tutor's home with the suitcase that only had part of her in that. Got into the taxi and then was dropped off by a remote wooded area along the Nakdong River where she dumped the suitcase in the brush. Like the whole suitcase or just the body parts? Whole suitcase. Okay. Dumped the suitcase, just dumped it all. Hmm. The cabbie thought Yu Zheng was super suspicious and ended up calling the police because Good. she had this suitcase and it was bloody because we've learned now, now I've learned if you're going to use the suitcase, you're probably going to get blood on the outside of the suitcase. Yeah. Go with a hard shell case. Yeah, she did. Both of the cases did, the suitcase oh, killer. True. And this case, <laughs> they used the, the hard shell and Just still- wipe that shit down. Yeah. Like, attention to detail, people. Like, <laughs> come on. Um, but he ended up calling the police because also she looked like she was, you know, 
a teenager Mm -hmm. and he's dropping her off at a remote wooded area. Like no one's around. She's got this really heavy, bloody suitcase. He's like, what the fuck? I mean, come on. (laughs) Here's good. This is, you can just drop me off here. Uh, All right, miss. Yeah, I'll walk back. Okay, okay. (laughs) According to one source, the cabbie reported her to the police because he thought, quote, her abandoning a bloody suitcase late at night was suspicious. Yeah. Kudos to the cabbie for picking up on that. Yeah, yeah, I dig that. So I, I didn't see this in any source material, but I think we can make a very solid assumption that the cabbie told the police where he picked Yu Zheng up because the police went directly to the home of the tutor and imagine what they found. Uh, probably the worst thing they've ever fucking seen. When they entered the home, they found part of her in pieces. They found clothes and bags with bloodstains on them. And I assume these were the clothes Yu Zheng wore, like her school uniform that she changed out of. Yeah. Yeah, and the rest of the tutors mutilated and dismembered body parts. Did that say where she did this? Like if it was in the bathroom or? Nope. I couldn't. I I assume it was in the main part of the house because in all the sources, as soon as the tutor opened the door, Yu Zheng started stabbing. Oh, wow. But she just She could have ran. It could have ended in a back bedroom. Who knows? But. Yeah. No, there wasn't any like, and she ended up lying in the kitchen. There was nothing, no detail like that. Mm. We just know that it was inside the tutor's home. Wow. So police arrested Yu Zheng the next day on May 27th. And when they questioned her as to why she killed the tutor, she originally said she accidentally killed her after they had an argument. (sighs) When she said, hi, nice to meet you. Yeah. When the tutor opened the door and said, oh, I'm glad you could come. She didn't say it very nicely. Your mom told me all about you. Bitch, don't bring my mom into this. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know me. What? <laughs> okay, so where was I? Right, so she originally said she accidentally killed her after they had an argument. When police started poking holes in the details of her story that were inconsistent with the crime scene, she eventually confessed that she wanted to know what murdering someone felt like because she was curious and that she must have been out of her mind. Um, ew, and yeah. According to an article written in the English edition of Chosun Media's The Chosun, I think it's Ilbu? Ilbo? As the authorities began investigating, they learned that Yu Zheng had taken the tutor's mobile phone, ID, and wallet with the intent to make it seem like the tutor had simply gone missing. This is also why she had dismembered the tutor's body to make her disappear in the hopes she could get away with the perfect crime. Oh my God. But I can't, I cannot figure out where her whole plan was. And there's no, there's not, she hasn't, at least it hasn't been reported in media, like what her plan was. I assume she was planning to find another suitcase, go back to the tutor's home, fill that suitcase with body parts and keep doing this until she had completely disposed of the body. Right. She hadn't even gotten around to using the bleach and trash bags that she purchased when she went to the store. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah, because the cabbie was like, um, you're into some shit. And yeah. so he like Sometimes spoiled not. her not so well laid plan Yeah, by calling Good. the police. Yeah. Remember when I said at the start of this case that she 
the police said that she had made comments about being resentful toward her father for her yes. unfortunate childhood. Okay. Yeah. So apparently at some point in all of this, and I couldn't figure out the timing. I, I couldn't figure it out because the sources simply just don't, they don't clarify if this happened before or after she killed the tutor. But Yu Zheng had contacted her father, it seemed by phone, and told him she was going to kill him. Oh. Police also found memos allegedly written by Yu Zheng that indicated she needed to kill in order to get the rage she was feeling out of her. Wow. So I'm pretty sure she had some serious mental health issues. Yeah. And that went undiagnosed mm-hmm. and untreated during her time in isolation. And I think the isolation absolutely enhanced those issues. Oh, yeah. It snowballed that shit like you wouldn't believe. Yikes. Can you imagine getting a call that's like, hello, long lost daughter? And she's like, hey, dad, I'm going to fucking kill you. Cool. Yeah. And they didn't get into they didn't get into the conversation and like what else was shared. But from the context clues, he took her seriously. Yeah. I think her time in isolation was like the gateway or Mm -hmm. like the foundation, if you will, like for her brain to be susceptible to getting to a place where murder seemed like something she wanted to experience. Do you know what I mean? I think she was. That makes sense. Yeah. I'm still curious, like what happens in the brain chemically to allow a person's thoughts to go there? Yu Zheng knew murder was wrong because she worked to hide the fact that she had killed the tutor. So she knew what she did was wrong. Yeah. And so it's not like she's mad or insane because she knew what she did was wrong. Yeah. Yu Zheng was indicted on murder charges on June 21st. Okay. She is currently sitting in a single cell at the Busan Detention Center in South Korea. So she wasn't, she didn't get charged until June 21st, but she was arrested on May 27th. So, so three weeks prior. And I was like, or three and a half weeks, whatever, like, like a, quite a while, several weeks. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, so is, is, are the Cor- South Korean criminal laws similar to like Indonesia where, they don't have to charge somebody, but if they have evidence, they can detain you indefinitely. Um, I learned that in South Korea with criminal law statutes, suspects are presumed innocent until proving guilty. So exactly like the criminal law here in the United States. Mm-hmm. However, if police or investigating authorities have sufficient evidence against a suspect, that suspect can be held in custody from the time of arrest until the final verdict is rendered. So they don't actually, it appears that they don't actually have to be charged with something at the time of arrest if they have, if authorities have sufficient evidence. So they're just held basically, but not, not officially charged with a crime. Yeah. And, and this was the third thing that I was like, that's a little bit like Indonesia criminal laws where they can just detain them. And right. I was like, okay, I can't not not do this episode next. So. <laughs> so she was arrested on May 27th, and she wasn't actually formally indicted until June 21st. Okay. Um, but they had so much evidence against her. Her trial was set to begin July 14th, and I 
scoured and there isn't anything out there yet that at least I could find in English sources, but hopefully I'll be able to figure out what ultimately happened with her. If she was convicted, if so, when her, what her sentence was, where she'll be doing her sentence, all of that good stuff. Yeah. Experts. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Experts interviewed in a June 4th article in the Korean Jungang Daily suggests that Yu Zheng admired the life the tutor had and wanted that type of life for herself. Hmm. The tutor was attending a prestigious university. They didn't say which one. She was living independently. She was making her own way in the world, making her own money. What's missing for me, though, with this hypothesis is whether or not Yu Zheng was planning to actually steal the tutor's identity. Mm. Maybe yeah. that's another reason why she took the the victim's ID, mobile phone, wallet, you know, make her disappeared, assume her identity. It seems a little preposterous to me because how do you just like there's no I could there was nothing to suggest like I have no idea if Yu Zheng looked like the tutor hmm. or anything. Right? So yeah. I don't know. I mean it's a thought for sure. There is also security camera footage, like CCT footage all over Europe. That captured Yu Zheng when she returned to her own home to grab the suitcase. So she had killed the tutor. She left. She either went to her home first to grab the suitcase and then went and got the trash bags and bleach, or she got the trash bags and bleach. Either way, she went out and she got the suitcase from her home and CCTV, CCTV footage caught her, like security camera footage caught her doing this. And what experts know, and, and they've said they find it surprising, is how calm she is in this mm. footage. Isn't it? It's always so creepy when there's footage of someone committing a crime or just after and you know, like what they're off to go do, like that she's just killed this woman and she's going to get a suitcase to put her dismembered body in. It always just is so dark and heavy and weird. Yeah. Lee Su Zhang a forensic psychology professor at Kyonggi University told YTN, I have no idea what YTN is. There's no context in the article. There was nothing. It's a K-pop group. Apparently. Yeah. Lee Su Zhang told YTN that Yu Zhang's attitude in the footage was unusual. Quote, a person normally panics and becomes terrified when they kill someone, even if they are a criminal. But the scene of Yu Zhang going home to get a suitcase to carry the dead body has her showing no signs of panic or horror. Bei Sang Hon, a criminal profiler and a police administration professor at Wusuk University, told the Zhongang Ilbo that, quote, it looks like Yu Zhang's psychopathy awakened while she was living an isolated life for a long time. For Yu Zhang, there is a high probability that she must not be able to differentiate reality and the virtual world of murders she was into. I don't agree with this. Yeah. I think she was perfectly able to differentiate. If she wasn't, she wouldn't have gone to great lengths to hide what she did. And it seems like she had a plan in mind. Yeah. Like it was premeditated. It was calculated. It was, she didn't like, what do I do now? No, it was like, okay, well now here's where I go get the suitcase and- and she spent three months preparing for this. Maybe, I mean, maybe she only prepared up to the moment of murder. I didn't think to prepare what happened after. 
mm-hmm. or what's supposed to happen after. I don't know, but but maybe she did, and and it just didn't go because the cabbie, right? The cabbie called the police and foiled her plan. So do you you don't think she had any intentions of getting caught? I don't think she had intentions of getting caught, and hopefully, yeah, maybe doing this multiple yeah. times. I think she wanted to understand what it felt like. And and who knows? Like, if she hadn't gotten caught, would she have done it again? Like, would she have become a prolific serial killer? Probably. Because, I mean, if she's – if they have that footage and she's not looking horrified, they say that about a lot of, like, serial killers, that they're just like, like – Like it relieves them. Yeah, it's like the zen mode that they go into. Like, if she was just chill as fuck scooting around – just no big deal i bet she liked it and would have absolutely done it again yeah she was there was there's also other security camera camera footage of showing her walking down the sidewalk with the suitcase after walking down the sidewalk with the suitcase after she had gotten it she was already in the the tutor's clothing and she looks perfectly calm it's just just off to dump this body in the woods. I'm just a traveler. She just whatever. And when she, there's um, a couple of photos of her in custody. And what's interesting is that she wears a hat and a mask. Mm. So, which wearing masks all the time in Asian countries is not uncommon. Right. Um, but she definitely hides her face. And I don't know if it's because she's ashamed or if it's because she doesn't want the notoriety. I don't know. Sources say that the only reason why she ad- she confessed was because her family urged her to confess. And I don't know if it was her grandmother, her father. I don't know if her mom came back in the picture. They didn't specify which family members. But apparently, you know, because in that culture, it's, it, you know, you bring shame upon the family kind of right. thing. So it was like, yeah. confess what you've done and take responsibility for your actions kind of thing. Have they given any, like, any indication or any details about what her demeanor was during the interview or since she's been held in Reticent, jail? apologetic. She's really? apologized to the victim's family. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and she just says, I must have been out of my mind. So she's just kind of matter of fact about what happened. Yep. And, wow. Okay. But she is showing some remorse. I guess. And again, you know, reader perception, right? Like you and I could get an email and we could read it differently because Mm -hmm. we have our own lenses and on life and things like that. But from what I took from the, like, again, the context clues was that she was just going through the motions. Wow. Yeah, I did it. I must've been out of my mind. I'm so sorry. I should never have killed her. I'm so sorry to the victim's family. You know what I mean? And it's like, I didn't get the impression that she's truly remorseful, but maybe she is. I don't know. Mm. That's the crazy story of Jung Yu Jung murdering a complete fucking stranger because she was curious what it would feel like to murder someone. Wow. Blows my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. A little bit of a shorter case this time, because again, it's, it's just happened. It's, it's ongoing. It's developing. I'm really hopeful that I can find some kind of update soon. I don't know. I don't know if South Korea does that. Maybe she'll be lost to oblivion and we'll never know. I don't know. Well, and it's like the, you know, a lot of cases here that we read about or see stuff about like take years, 
you know, to get to trial or whatever. And so it's just kind of at that point where you're like, now what? Yeah. And I'm, I, I don't want to say I'm dying to know. <laughs> I'm really eager to know. I yeah. want to know. Cause like, here we are three months after her tr- trial was supposed to start, which it's not uncommon for things to get delayed. And we also know that, you know, especially court systems, there's all kinds of delays. It's ridiculous. Yeah. She, it could be delayed for years. Who knows? But I, yeah. And if anybody is listening and you're able to find information on like, what is like, what's the status now, please send it to us at yeah. crimewilltillpot at gmail.com. I'd love to, I'm not exactly the world's best researcher. I don't know if people have picked up on that yet. I'm getting better, but you're doing great. Aw, thanks, James. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. What a crazy fucking story. <sighs> yeah. Again, it just blows my fucking mind that somebody can just be like, you know, I wonder what it would be like to murder someone. Yeah. I just can't get over that. I cannot get over that. And she's like, I have nothing else to fucking do. So yeah. planning starts tomorrow. Yeah. And like just months and months of like yes. weeding through these potential victims. Like that, I think that's the piece that like. And she actually contacted them. Yeah. And like just something about them, some piece, little nugget, like was going to make it more complicated for her. And so she crossed them off the list. And to get to what you said, 55 people or 54 yeah. or something like that is some serious goddamn planning. And that is cold as fuck. That's an investment. Yes. An investment of time, energy, resource. Like that is an investment. Yeah. Because I'm telling you, like I have no desire to murder anyone. But after like the first one, I'd be like, fuck this. Never mind. God, it's, 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 so, it's so exhausting. Of course you have a significant other foiling my plans. And then you just move on and you watch something else. Maybe you go get a fucking job. Yeah. I mean, that was like some dedication. She had yeah. a goal and she fucking stuck with it. And ay, ay, ay. yeah, I mean, I guess she's not afraid of commitment. Yeah. <laughs> now, every time I see some random person walk down the street with a suitcase, I just I'm going to go kick it over and unzip it really quick. And I'm going to look for smears, blood smears and be ready to alert authorities. It's funny you say that because do you really ever know what's in like the cargo trucks and the semi-tractor trailers that you pass by in the highway? Do you ever really know what's in there? No. It could be an entire cargo full of like fucking smuggled humans or trafficking or drugs or firearms or just some nefarious illegal shit. And I often I'm like, you just you never know. Like you could pass a normal looking fucking Subaru. Some mm-hmm. lady that looks like she's a grandma and it's Lois fucking Weiss or whatever the fuck her name was. And she's driving from Minnesota to fucking Florida. Yeah. Lois Reese, by the way. Reese. Um, Weiss, Reese, whatever. Yeah, whatever. They, they're spelled the same. What? She's know. forgettable. <laughs> but yeah, it's like you don't know how many times a store is getting robbed and people are just walking by just yeah. tooting along and have no idea they're passing a crime or yeah. the person, you know, how many people passed her on the street on the way to go murder this woman or passed her with a suitcase. Like it's just, you have no idea what sort of nefarious mm-hmm. shit is going on. And that, yeah, if you really stopped and somebody could like tell you how many crimes or murderers you've been in the same room with, or that's you know, fucking things. creepy. Yeah. Or just 
crossed paths with someone that just did something horrible or are on their way. Like, it's creepy. <sighs> well, well, thank you to everybody for listening. We really appreciate you show up, showing up uh, week after week. Well, every other week after every other week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you haven't already, please don't forget to rate, review, subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Tell your friends. Yeah. We're we're pretty stoked with the with the support and, you know, the number of people that are stumbling on our show and sending us quick notes to say how much they love it. Yeah, um, and that they're sharing it with other people and yeah. have friends that are starting to listen and and if you have any questions or comments or show ideas, any cases you think that we should cover, please send an email to crimewilltellpod at gmail.com. James, do you know what I didn't do at the top of the episode? I I don't. Well, let me tell you. So, you know, my brother. I mean, I, I haven't met him yet, but he sounds fly as fuck. Um, he had an interesting take on last episode. Okay. Lois. Lois Reese. Mm-hmm. Remember when she started going by LaDonna after she got to Florida? Yeah. But you can call me Donna. But you can call me Donna. Or actually, so, she's from Minnesota, so be like, oh, but you can call me Donna. Oh, yeah, don't you know? Oh. oh. That, was, that was something else right there. So brother says, quote, I think you all got LaDonna all wrong, yo. She just a fierce cougar out to get hers. People just kept standing in the way of her gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, shit. Okay. I mean. And I meant to start, like, you know. <laughs> The brother, the brother quote of the week. That's something I li- I like his his follow up his little <laughs> synopsis of the episodes that you get. He's like yeah. either like here's what you got fucking wrong. Yeah, he's really or- good at giving feedback. <laughs> <laughs> or here's what I assume is actually going on. Yeah, I brothers, like brother is not shy about going. You know what? Y'all suck ass. <laughs> that was the dumbest fucking thing I ever heard. Yeah, erase. Or, but, but when you get the whole, damn, that was a good episode, girls, you know, it's legitimate. Okay. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's his take on LaDonna. Okay. Which ones has he said that about? All of them. Whatever. But okay. Well, bye, Jamie. Goodbye, Carrie. I love you so hard. Weird. Okay. (laughs) Bye. Okay, thank you. It's my pleasure. Did you hear that? Did you fart? I put a little kick in my shorts. I'm not upset. I'm not mad at you. Crime will tell. Crime will tell. That's weird. That was awesome. Samsonite night, motherfucker. That's seriously fucked up, but that was really funny. Don't hold me down. Oh, fuck me. What's going on? Is it thundering again? What happened? I know, that cool. Cool.